Hi everybody, hope y'all, hope that's fine for you all well, doing well. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, Let's Be Aware. Please make sure to follow it on Instagram and the website will be coming soon. Um, just as a friendly reminder, we cover um, topics ranging from politics to technology to mental health to life issues to like basically whatever. Um, episodes come out every Tuesday on June 20th. Let's get started on our topic. Today, we are going to be talking about President Jimmy Carter. For those of you who don't know or who may know, Jimmy Carter used to be the President of the United States from 1977 to 1981. After his presidency, he has dedicated his whole whole life as a humanitarian. But let's start from his early life. Unlike many other politicians, like successful politicians, Jimmy Carter grew up poor. He grew up on a farm. Um, he didn't have, he was basically like poor. He, right 10 minutes after he was born, I think, is when he met his future wife, Rosalind Carter, and they would go on to become the longest married couple in presidential history. As a young boy growing up, Jimmy Carter grew on a, grew up on a farm. He attended Plains High School. He was born in October 1st, 1924, so right before the Great Depression and all of that. And um, interestingly, he didn't have to attend 12th grade because his high school didn't have a 12th grade. So he just graduated after being finished with 11th grade. And even though his father was very, had very, had views similar to pro-segregationists, Jimmy Carter was someone who believed in racial equality from a young child and would befriend people of color. And and on his farm, he would he would be drawn to African American families, and he never saw anything wrong with these people. So he was a good man at his heart, basically from the day he was born. And. He, in high school, he would play basketball, he would work on the farm, and then after high school, he went to the Naval Academy, he attended Georgia Southwestern College before transferring to Georgia Tech, which is one of the best universities in Georgia, without a doubt. Um, He was known to be a good student but he was also tend to be reserved. And people would describe him as quiet since he wouldn't act like many of the other boys at college who were really loud and dis- disruptive. During college, he fell in love with Rosalind and they married in around 1946. So far, they've been married for over 76 years. And so, as he was as he was in the naval career, he would transition between 
many different states. And so where I left off, yeah, during his naval career, um, he would work with like nuclear submarines and all of that. And then during his naval career, there was a nuclear accident in Canada and it caused him meltdown. And so Carter was ordered to help save the nuclear reactor. So he had to climb himself into the reactor while also limiting his exposure to radioactive waste. Because if you get exposed to that and you touch that, you would have really bad problems in life. So he did that carefully. And with success, he was able to help solve the accident and it became a success. And he would say that this incident helped him develop views of an anti-nuclear world, which is interesting. And then fast forward to 1963, which was during the civil rights era. That's when the civil rights movement was at its peak. He starts his political career as a state senator for Georgia. And mind you, Georgia was a segregation state back then. So there was a lot of racial provocation. Martin Luther King Jr. was from that state. So it had a lot of history. So during the 60s, he advocated for racial equality and integration, but he also had to be careful as he didn't want to make enemies as Georgia still had many segregationists as it was in the South. And just 15, just like people, when typically announced, when people typically announce their campaigns, it's usually like several months, but he did it like a few weeks before the election for the state Senate. And then, so his wife Rosalind was helping him. And so, and surprisingly, he won. But there were some interesting conflicts to his first race. There were reports of voter fraud, and Jimmy believed that there were some reports of voter fraud. So he like filed to the court saying, you know, this is not fair, like what's going on? I, I think there were some vote, um, voter fraud going on. And surprisingly, it proves to be true. And he's elected as a state senator and then and he won his state senate seat by around 1000 votes which is not that much and as a during the 60s during kennedy's presidency the carters were really drawn to kennedy and they felt he inspired a movement and he was crushed when he heard about the assassination of JFK. So a lot of stuff happened during that time. But the 1960s was when Jimmy Carter started becoming popular. And then in in 1964, that's when we see a big blue wave for LBJ. LBJ's re-elected in a massive landslide. But Jimmy Carter wanted a be elected to the U.S. Congress. So he decides to challenge Bo Calloway. And then, 
and Bo Calloway switched to the Republican Party. So he saw it as an opportunity. And as a state senator, he chaired the Education Committee. And towards the end of his term, he sought um, to get Georgia Southwestern State University, his own college, to have a four-year program. And he wanted to expand funding for like education and other things. And so this, but the interesting part is Carter never finished his campaign for House of Representatives because he decided to be drawn to the governor's race. And so in 1966, he ran against a liberal governor, Ellis Arnall, and a segregationist, Lester Maddox. And Carter, unfortunately, lost the primary. He sought for racial equality, integration. And the person who won the primary was a segregationist himself. So Carter decided to do some rethinking on how to, on how to um, make his campaign successful for governor in 1970. So in 1970, Carter runs more of a segregationist platform. He starts dissing himself from like racial equality stances, integration stances. He praises George Wallace. He criticized Martin Luther King. He, so he basically just tries to act as a segregationist to win the governorship. And surprisingly, works. Jimmy Carter ends up becoming the governor of Georgia. But the tricky part was he also sought the black vote too. But he also made sure like he could not flip flop. So he like tried to work through other techniques, getting the black people's vote while also getting segregationist vote. He would praise George Wallace. He saw to me, Martin Luther King Sr., the dad of MLK Jr., Andrew Young, and he appealed to racism more than any of his campaigns. And it was pretty obvious that Carter's views were more segregationist, racist stances. But hey, it ended up paying off for him, and he became governor. But the funny thing was, when he was being inaugurated, in his opening address, he said, the time for racial, something along the lines, the time for racial discrimination is over. So then he, he tries to like reverse his segregationist stances and uses his job as governor to advance racial equality for black people. And he tries to do that, but there were segregationists who felt that Carter betrayed them. But Carter knew from his mind that if he wanted to win, he had to be a segregationist. And even people also agreed that had Carter not expressed segregationist views, he would have not been governor. So as governor, he like, he tried expanding equality to black people. He included the portraits of MLK Jr. in the state capitol. 
um, he sought funding for early child programs, prison reforms, and he also wanted to establish a human rights council. So he, he was big on human rights. And he wanted to provide aid to schools. Um, he was he was concerned about mental health. He sought funding for mental health, um, increasing education in Georgia, and he sought to spread integration. He wanted a ban busing. So, yeah. His policies as governor were much different than what he ran on. And so he later he later thinks about his future political career, but he's ineligible to run for a second term as governor. So he starts to think bigger, like, what else could I do with my political career? So in the 1970s, he decides to run for president. So in around December of 1974, that's when he starts to announce his campaign for president. And at that time, his campaign was not taken seriously. Many people mocked him, especially the media. They were like, Jimmy who. He was known as the dark horse candidate. Um, many people didn't think he could win at that time, but he eventually won. And then after he announced his campaign, which was like December of 1974, which was like a midterm election year, like no one really thought much about the presidency yet. So he, as he launched his campaign really early, he decides to take advantage of the time the campaign in states like Iowa and New Hampshire and many other states to help him form his base and help him get, gain an advantage. And his strategy ends up becoming successful as he uses grassroots campaigning, knocking on several doors, talking, going all through the states. And this is what many future presidential candidates tried looked up to. They sought to use Jimmy Carter's strategy in hopes of winning their party's nomination for president. And so he later um, like wins Iowa, New Hampshire, Wisconsin, Texas, a lot of states. And by 1976, like mid-1976, it's clear that he would be the nominee. And what's interesting is when I went to his library, I saw that many of his cousins and his family, his mom, they campaigned hard for him traveling to as many states as they could. Like 11 of his family members were in like dozens of states. Like that's crazy. And he would also drive his own plane for his campaign events. That's dedication right there. And so as he goes on to become successful in the primaries, he pulls show him above Gerald Ford. So he has a good chance of 
becoming president. He runs on a platform of bringing decency, integrity back into the White House, something that has been missed after the Watergate scandal. And then many Americans were angry with Ford pardoning Nixon. So it created a sort of distrust in the federal government. And Carter's like, hey, I'm the decent man. I'll make sure I'll bring decency back. So he ends up he ends up winning the presidency and as his vice president he as his running mate he chooses walter mondale who's a senator from minnesota and he also walter mondale was a good senator he contributed to the 1968 fair housing act so then um and carter defeats Ford by winning 50.1%, so which was close, and he received like over 290 electoral votes. And Carter was an evangelical Christian, so many voters liked his his appeal for Christianity. So you see many states that you wouldn't even think would vote Democrat today. They voted for Carter like States like Texas, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas. Yeah, those states, they voted for Carter. And so he he was able to win the South, as he himself was from the South. And he campaigned on a, for human rights. He sought to make human rights his essential policy aim and he ends up doing it but he faces but he's not very lucky with his presidency as he faces many challenges and so as carter's first executive order right when he becomes president he pardons all vietnam war draft dodgers and which causes controversy among some veterans and many other people but he decides to do so anyway, calling, calling to calling to move on and to look forward. And this ends up becoming successful as all Vietnam War draft dodgers are pardoned. He establishes the Department of Education, the Department of Energy. Um, his controversy was giving Panama the control of the Panama Canal, known as the Panama Canal Treaties. This caused a division with like many Republicans and many saw as a way of showing that America is weak. But Carter's like, no, we should not be doing this. And he decides to give Panama their ownership of the canal, which was the right thing to do as as since it came from then. He he was a pro-environmentalist as president. He banned lead paint in U.S. homes. He pushed for marijuana decriminalization. He sought for health care reform, but unfortunately, it was unsuccessful due to arguments with Ted Kennedy and Carter, so it didn't end up being passed. And had it been passed, 
the healthcare policy in America would have looked way different today. He did a lot for Native Americans in America. He signed the Indian Child Welfare Act, known as ICWA, um, which made sure that Indian children were sought into Indian families. Um, he signed the Re American Indian Religious Freedom Act, allowing Natives to help worship their religion more freely and like giving more aid to tribally tribal colleges and these laws for Native Americans allowed them to have rights for adoption, foster care, greater control on how funds could be used on reservations. And this was surprisingly the last legislation for Native Americans in terms of civil rights. He also signed measures to help protect whistleblowers known as the Inspector General Act, protecting whistleblowers' identities when they report criminal activities and behavior. And it also audits all of the president's activities, making sure that the president is not above the law. It led to uncovering numerous abuses in future presidential administrations. He also signed, he also legalized beer, fun fact. He was a de deregulation president. He deregulated the airlines industry. He also deregulated beer, the truck industry. And so he was big on deregulation. He also... I think that's all he deregulated, but it was a lot. Um, and then other things he did was the Camp David Accords. This was his biggest foreign policy achievement, even to this day. He is widely credited for that, which permanently established peace between Israel and Egypt to this very day. So Carter does deserve credit for that. He signed the Humphrey Hawkins Act. He created over 9 million jobs in his presidency. It helped cut the trade deficit in half during his presidency. He also raised the minimum wage from $2.30 to $3.35. Um, but then there were some other problems that occurred. But nevertheless, as he did sought to push for racial equality, as he signed an executive order expanding the capacity of black colleges for quality education, he declared super fun sites toxic wastelands, and he even rebuilt homes for people affected by toxic chemicals. Um, the SALT II treaties, yeah, that's what it's called. With the Soviets, it, he sought to reduce the number of nuclear weapons, but it was never ratified due to the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. And then he signs the Refugee Act of 1980, which helped allow many refugees from Cuba from coming in. It helped allow many refugees come into the United States. And... It, it's widely successful. Many refugees thank him 
for signing that piece of legislation. And additionally, um, the Iran hostage crisis, the one that would doom his presidency and re-election. As he allowed the Shah to enter medical treatment for the U.S., many Iranians were mad at the Shah. So they went to the American embassy. They took hostage of 52 diplomat, diplomats for 444 days. And so this made Carter look like he was weak. And it was significant in lowering his approval ratings and contributing to his loss to Ronald Reagan. And so there was like a lot of problems with the Shah and Iran, that stuff. So that's where it started. So Carter's Carter's presidency was a time where relations with Iran began to sour and they're still rocky to this very day. And so even though Carter's was told by many people to use violence, he never sought to use violence because he didn't want to risk other people getting their lives killed and shot. So he sought to use nonviolence. Eventually, to the last day of his presidency, they were all freed, but only minutes after Reagan's inauguration. And it turns out, surprisingly, there was a story this year that came out, Lieutenant Governor Ben Barnes, um, he came out forward and he's like, that the Reagan campaign um, saw talk, talk to Middle Eastern countries, including Iran, telling them to delay the hostages after the election, promising them a better deal. So there's lots of evidence saying, suggesting how Republicans sought to influence the election by holding the hostages back. And and then, but Carter also, another environmental thing Carter also did was he declared Superfund sites toxic wastelands and yeah, and then uh, with the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, he sought to give aid to Mujahideens, which would later during the Reagan years, they would be supplied a lot more during the Reagan years, and then they would soon turn out to be the Taliban. And then he also regulated strip mining. So he, and he did a lot of things for the environment as president. And he also sought to use solar panels for the White House, encouraging people to conserve their energy and fix their thermostat to help protect their energy. But many people did not take him as seriously. And he was credited to be ahead of his time, as people would agree. And other things Carter did environmentally was he also he did something for alaska i don't remember what it was called it was during 1980 it was this environmental bill that like how would i say it alaska national interest lands converse conservation act 
So what this did was it helped protect many of Alaska's natural land. And it, wow, it actually designated at least 100, 100 million acres of land as as part of the conservation system, meaning that it was conservation, no one can't do anything away for it, and it helped provide a safe haven for many animals, and it was designated as public land. So he was ahead of his time in terms of the environment. He, he also established FEMA, which we know today, which is used as a disaster agency to help ensure like nothing goes wrong in disasters is for like disaster management for like hurricanes so he did some notable significant stuff but his presidency was criticized as weak and ineffective and then when he's campaigning for re-election in the primaries ted kennedy someone who he did who he had a rocky relationship with decides to challenge him and he's supported by many of the liberals and Jackie Kennedy. And he seeks to challenge Carter to the nomination. He ends up being successful in winning some primaries against Carter. But he loses the primaries to Carter. And it helped damage Carter's polling. So there are some people who say, this is what contributed to his loss to Reagan. And so Carter leaves office, as many believe, as a failed president. But many years later, his presidency is reevaluated, and many people agree he was ahead of his time. Another thing he also did was he normalized relations with China. So he helped improve relations with China, which proves to be pretty significant to this very day and so he he does many significant things and then after he leaves office he decides to make his post-presidency he decides to model it after Harry Truman promising to not profit as being an ex-president and he proves himself to be right. He advocates for peace. He establishes the Carter Center, which seeks to promote peace and health and provides lots of health around the world. And they seek to eradicate guinea worm. They also monitor elections all over the world. So he's not, he does many humanitarian efforts as an ex-president. He also um, builds houses with Habitat for Humanity. He used to um, be a pastor in his hometown of Plains every Sunday. He would like be the host of his church service. So yeah, he did lots of worthy things even after not being a president. And he is later rewarded the Nobel Peace Prize for his peacekeeping efforts. He's successful in almost eradicating guinea worm. He also, 
the Carter Center also monitored elections all around the world, ensuring they're democratic. They seek to promote democracy. He writes books. He speaks in favor of Palestine, calls for a two-state solution. But he also did something significant with North Korea. He helped stop, he helped relax tensions between North Korea and the West. So in 1994, when North Korea and South Korea were at tension, there were some indicating that North Korea could start a war and fire back. Carter's concerned with this, so he travels to meet Kim Il-sung, the leader of North Korea, and then they agree on the agreed framework, which seeks to um, minimize like the nuclear development like in exchange for other alternative energy sources. And it ends up being successful until it was ended by George Bush. And he also worked to free journalists trapped abroad, especially in North Korea, and he's successful with that. Um, he spends his time as a humanitarian for the rest of his life, even to this day. Um, he and Rosalind are the longest married couple in American history. And many people regard Carter as a great human. And he recently entered hospice care, like February of this year. So there were lots of reevaluations into his legacy. He was kept in the headlines for a few days. Um, and he, many people sought to pray for him and wished him well. And he was particularly close with Joe Biden. And Joe Biden actually was the first senator to endorse Carter for his presidential campaigns. So they were pretty close. And so Carter, wow, yeah. He lived an interesting life, and he's only 98 years old, and his wife, Rosalind, is like 95. Yeah, 95. So he lived a pretty interesting life, and yeah. Wow. From working, from growing up poor to becoming president of the United States. That is quite a story. Anyways, I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Um, there will be another podcast coming on June 27th. Um, please make sure to spread the spread to share it with others. Follow us on Instagram at Let's Be Aware Podcast. Make sure to email us. And I hope you all like this podcast. This is my first podcast. And I hope you all have an amazing day. Make sure to be kind. I hope you all learned something interesting from this. If not, I hope you all like my podcast. Make sure to, make sure to come back. Bye.